Hey, Cam. Oh, hey, Kimmy. What's up? Not much. Hey, I was just wondering, have you ever seen Coraline? Sweet Coraline, <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Good times never felt so good. Uh, I have not actually seen Coraline, but I've... I love that book. That book's great. Hello, friends of the podcast. I am guest host Kimmy or Kim. Welcome back. It is good to be back. And I'm Miles. And I'm Cam. I am the victim this time instead of Miles. (laughs) Alright, so as we tried to introduce, uh, yes, we actually watched Coraline, which is a, surprisingly enough, considering how it looks and the motif was not directed by uh, Tim Byrne. It was actually directed by uh, Henry Selleck. and is based off of the novella by Neil Gaiman. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Cam, what did you think of Coraline? I really enjoyed it. This is a movie that I have known about ever since like it came out. It came out like uh, just as we were graduating high school, I think. Well, us. I think Miles had already graduated by then. So I remember yes. seeing <laughs> ads for it and being super excited because I read the book. Oh yeah. And the book was great. And so I and and the animation and everything. I remember seeing the the trailer and going that looks like it's going to be great because animation seems the best way to really capture the essence of what you have in the book. Oh, absolutely. I think the main selling point for me is the fact that um they used uh they used stop motion. Mm-hmm. And just because the style of how stop motion works, I think works fantastically well for something like Coraline, considering when you look, uh, when you read the book, uh, again, by Neil Gaiman, you actually get to see some illustrations in there. And the Mm -hmm. fact that, um, the fact that the team made sure to make all of those models as perfectly alike as they are in the book, I thought was absolutely fantastic. And I feel like stop motion, like, I feel like no better, um, style of direction does it better than something like stop motion, in my opinion. I mean, it's true, but you guys are missing one of the most important things that made Carol, uh, Coraline successful, and that's the fact it was one of the first 3D animated oh, movies. That's right. You guys totally missed that. Oh my god! I actually oh forgot goodness, about that. Right. And it was the first well-done one because there were a couple beforehand oh, and they weren't that good. But right, this right, right. one this, really yeah, stood out. Yeah, because this was mm. at the same time that Avatar came out. And so, like, you had a live... Because Avatar was the first 3D movie to really go into the whole we created a world that is mm-hmm. 3D and not do the, you know... Individual scenes. Yeah. Well, well, not even just or that. Like, I mean, more in the whole gotcha, gotcha, just throw things out at yeah. you to give you that 3D effect. Yeah. As I... Try to illustrate that in this. Um, I'm in looking this at non-visual. I'm looking <laughs> at you, Spy Kids 3D. <laughs> hey, hey, Spy Kids 3D was funny. 
It gave us, uh, oh man, and uh, Sylvester Stallone just totally being okay with being a parody of himself and just like going all in on it. Uh, Those movies were just so campy. And that's fine because they knew that and they they did well. They owned in it. it. They absolutely did own um, it. Um but you're right, Miles, about the 3DS, but we don't get that because like who has a 3D TV? It's true. <clears throat> well, dang, I guess we should have watched it at your house then instead of at mine. <laughs> Why didn't you offer Miles? Because I don't have the glasses. Well, I, I got... can I can do it because I have a plasma TV. I have a fast, really fast refresh rate, so you can actually do 3D stuff on there. Really? But mm-hmm. you have to have the proper glasses and have everything set up uh, right. Well, I mean, I, it's just not yeah. worth it. Well, I know mm-hmm. that I have like some of those real 3D glasses from the movie theater. They have to be charged. And they have to actually be synced. Oh, oh so, okay. So then those ones wouldn't so work. So it's just then. this massive hassle of a thing. Yeah, and I do actually. I did for a long time have a. Actually, I think I still have it. I have a uh, Nvidia 3D Vision. Oh my god! Computer gaming screen <laughs> with <laughs> set of glasses. Oh my god! He oh my does goodness, he have really does. it. That's yes, amazing. For all, of you, for all of you people listening at home, yes, we'll, we'll include <laughs> pictures that we'll put up on Instagram and uh, over on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, but uh, this is just the gaming uh, glasses wear and the sync mm-hmm. syncing device. I do have the screen at my house uh, or at my apartment, I should say, hooked up to my computer because I use it as a spare monitor. That's amazing. All right. I'm not going to lie. I would get so sick so easily with those. You know what? I thought I would too because I'm not a humongous fan of most 3D stuff, but I found that this was actually very tolerable because you you are actually in control of your character. Oh. Mm. So that does kind of help you out if you play like first-person shooter stuff. Right. Okay. Uh, So if you play a third-person game and you're used to the fact that you're moving your character, it doesn't give you so much uh, distort... What do you call that? Um, um, Car sickness? Motion sickness? Okay. Because you... Get that vertigo feeling. Yeah, your body's used to the idea of you moving and seeing something. Okay, because, yeah, I get super motion sickness when, like, the camera starts, like, jerking around like crazy and it just, like... (laughs) as we have learned in the past right ah yes (laughs) one other thing that i'll actually mention about this i got this when i started to play uh left for dead oh nice and it is so fun to be playing left for dead in 3d i feel like that would be really fun to use when you're playing like dead by daylight oh Oh, it could be yeah actually it could be useful in some cases because you can now uh, uh gauge your your jumps you have a little bit of depth perception Mm-hmm. But you got to be careful with it because the depth perception is actually on a slider. Oh, let's get back yeah, yeah, yeah. on topic. Yes, uh, back to a back Coraline. to Coraline. <laughs> Sweet suppose... Coraline. I, uh... All right, so I think uh, I think we should definitely ask Cam. Uh, did you have a favorite part of the movie? Oh, not yet, not yet. Oh. That's all spoilers. Oh. We're not there yet. Ah, uh, yes. Let's ask Cameron the question. <laughs> Did you enjoy this movie? Well, we uh, already yes. we already covered that one. Would you I, recommend it? Th- yeah. Yes. I, oh, yes. Okay. Absolutely. Um, now I'm trying to think of. Well, I mean, this is one of the few kind of animated movie. Well, okay, that's not true. Most of the animated food movies that we've watched, I think, outside of the Plague Dogs, are all ones that I would go. Everyone should watch this. So I was actually going to ask you about that because <laughs> this is a more horror children's horror, mm-hmm. and they kind of consider Plague Dogs to be a child's horror yeah. for some strange reason. 
would you say that they're on the same level? Would you say that they're totally different? Would you say that it's like maybe baby steps or something to get there? I feel like this is around the time that I could bring up a quote uh, that was brought to us thanks to another friend because I was like, oh yeah, we're doing Coraline. You know, this is going to be a whole lot of fun. And 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 they and he said to me, oh, did you know that Coraline, all, the book, almost wasn't published because they said it was too scary for kids. And so uh, Neil Gaiman gave uh, a, a manuscript to, I think it was like his manager's daughter or something. Oh no, she had two kids uh and and they read them and it was and and, and the, the basically if they're not terrified by it then we will publish it and we won't have to do huge uh, revisions to it or anything like that and they came back and they loved it and then when he was meeting them at a book signing or something he said i guess i have you to thank for this being published and because you loved it so much and then they said oh i was terrified by this but I had to keep reading it because I wanted to know how it was going to end. I couldn't stop. That's amazing. <laughs> That's how I think more media needs to go. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. When so, you're just like, I, I, this is scary, but I need to know how this ends. Is mm-hmm. Then you know that you've, you've done right. Yeah. I guess we should also uh, in- introduce everybody. This is the start of our spooky special. For yes, October. that's right. It's oh. October. Ooh. Yes. So this will be the first one. The next thing that we're going to put up is... Uh, we're doing creepypastas next. Yes, we are. Some creepypastas. And we'll be joined by Jordan for that. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we're going to check out... Well, we're going to be checking out some... Uh, what was the... Uh, we're going to be watching The Thing with Steven. That's the last one. And then there was another thing we were going to do that was Channel something? Channel Zero with Channel Gareth. Channel Zero with Gareth. Okay. Actually, I think we might swap The Thing with uh, Gareth because... We'll see how that works Timeline out. things happen and it's a fairly long special. For those of you that are listening in the future, this doesn't matter anymore. <laughs> You can you can just catch right up with it. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, so based off of a child's endorsement of it, I would say that everyone should watch this movie. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> and like, I think on a note of that, the whole thing about, again, like these children were like, this was creepy, but I really enjoyed it. Um, I think it's just very interesting how that translates into the movie because the movie uh, yes, the things in it, they appear kind of creepy, but they're also incredibly fantastical. Mm-hmm. Um, as compared to if we were reading it in the book, it's more of this kind of feeling that you as the readers get of like, this doesn't seem right. Which, yeah, it doesn't very much come out in the movie because the movie is more like, oh, this is amazing. It's kind of weird, but this is totally like an awesome place I would love to be in. So I find that actually like a very interesting just kind of um, contrast between the two of just um, how the words give you a very different feel as to the visuals of the movie. It's interesting that you say that because it reminds me of uh, <laughs> of another British writer, um, Alan Moore. Mm-hmm. He has never been happy with any of the film adaptations or really like visual medium adaptations of a lot of his comics. I I only really know this because someone sent me like something recently 
um, about it. And this was like uh, an interview that he gave and his whole thing, again, talking about how he didn't like any of the adaptations of any of his stuff. And he just said, the thing is, I wrote it for a written medium and now you're changing it to make it into a visual medium. And that is not how I wrote it. So of course I'm not going to like it because it's not the same thing. It's something completely different. And it's the same thing here. You have to adapt it. You have to make it appealing in different ways because you're doing a film now instead of it being a book. So of course there's going to be differences there. So uh, one thing that that reminds me of is <laughs> listening to uh, Scary Stories Told in the Dark by mm-hmm. Otis Jairi. That's how I listen to most of my creepypastas. He um he actually has a bit of a disclaimer that he says through most of the the series he does saying that he's not doing the exact uh creepy pasta. He is taking some creative liberties to change it because he is doing a spoken medium instead of a written uh, mm-hmm. red one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there might be something that uh, mm-hmm. you might catch by how something is written instead of how it is said. Mm-hmm. And he's trying to help move with that. Mm-hmm. So it is an important thing to remember that all medias are different. It's yes, true. exactly. But I think overall the fact that they still tried to capture the, the spirit of the book was incredibly impressive, mm-hmm. in in my opinion. Like, um, Starting with, I mean, just going from that they literally took like the way the, the drawings were done in mm-hmm. terms of just how everybody looks yeah. each individual character oh even like the cat like they did a yeah, pretty good job cat. that right i think mm-hmm. we're getting too far into the spoiler territory uh, for everybody all right so <laughs> i'm gonna reel this back and uh push us forward yep. and we'll listen to so- to a quick little song but definitely not neil diamond and uh <laughs> we'll come back and see you guys at, in, in spoiler territory Okay, welcome back, everybody. We're now in spoiler territory. Let's okay. continue on. Let's uh, let's start with the story. All um, right. So, the overall plot is that Coraline is about this girl, Coraline Jones, uh, who moves into this new house called the Pink Palace with her parents. It's in Pontiac, or no, no, it's not from. They move from Pontiac, Michigan, to Ashland, Oregon. That's a bit of a trek. Yes. This is why she's not happy. Her friends are so far away. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the equivalent of moving from, like, Alberta to Ontario. What about our European vi- uh, visitors? You gotta, you gotta do a good... Okay, so that would probably be, like, say you were living in... Britain. Britain, and then you moved to Germany. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's huh. a long ways. Uh, anyway... So when Coraline moves in to the Pink Palace, it's very dreary. Her parents are too busy working. Um, so she's just kind of miserable being there. Um, she has other neighbors that are just kind of really Weird. eccentric. <laughs> and she... Can't seem to get her name right. Yeah, and none of them can't seem to get her name right. They keep calling her Caroline. <laughs> Which is understandable. Yeah, because they all care about her. Aww. 
<laughs> no. No, none of that. Um, uh, but uh, eventually after just trying to pretty much amuse herself as one does when you're a single child, but you don't have much to do because you're technically still unpacking and you're in a really old house, she decides to go out and explore, um, which is where she encounters um, Wyborn, whose grandma owns the Pink Palace. Yep. Uh, and Wyborn... Wybie love it. <laughs> well, Wybie is his nickname. That's what he likes everybody to call him instead of being Wyborn or Wybie-born, as Coraline likes to keep saying. Yep. Basically. Because uh, she's kind of not a nice person. No, yeah, she, she's, she's a little mean-spirited. She's She is, in fact, very spiteful. Like, it's kind of understandable because, again, her parents moved her. Uh, and far. Like, yeah, far away. Well, her parents moved her, and then there's her relationship with her parents, both of them. So, so yeah. Can I spoil something totally crazy about this for you? Oh, what's that? So around this time, we actually see a portrait of Coraline with her family, and she actually has brown hair. Oh, oh. wait, really? Yes, and it looks fairly recent as well, which means that she probably got to dye her hair blue because her parents moved. Oh. oh. You know, I didn't even hmm. notice that. Of course. That's a, well, that's actually, that's cool. Yeah. That, that's that's that a nice is, that's a nice background detail. There is a lot of really big background details that I'm gonna show to you guys or like inform <laughs> you guys, and you're gonna like realize there's a lot to this show. There's a lot to this show. You already know that there's a lot, but there's even oh, more. Right? So, like <laughs> after this, I'd probably go rewatch it just to like see if I could like pin out all of this stuff. That's pretty great. So she makes so while well, she makes an acquaintance with Wyborn. Yeah. Yb. Uh, yeah. <laughs> as well as the uh, stray cat that lives in the area. Uh, I like to call him Malcolm. Why? Because <laughs> he reminds me of my old cat, Malcolm. Oh, all right. So I guess for this, we will we will call the cat Malcolm. And it just works because it's also the name of Sabrina the Teenage Witch's cat. No, that's Salem. Oh, that's Salem. Yeah, I was, that's right. I'm like, what? What? There's another. There's another black cat named Malcolm. Was that uh, Hocus Pocus? Uh, no, oh. because that's um. Thackeray, Thackeray no. Binks. That's right. Uh, there has to be one. Well, they keep calling him Binks, uh, probably because yeah. saying Thackeray sounds weird. Um, I don't know. I just keep calling my cat Thackeray, honestly. I mean, you can do so that my dad if you choose. Take that Thackeray. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, so so let's carry on and uh, so the cat. Yes. Let's um, carry on and talk about uh, some of the other things that go on here. All right. So around this time. Uh, so again, we are introduced to, you know, the people that are, you were that Coraline is going to encounter most of the time that she's here. Um, and then one day, um, YB drops off a package for her of a doll that he found in a trunk, I believe, in his grandma's house. Yes. Mm -hmm. That has a doll that looks just like her. So Coraline decides to just, you know, carry this doll with her because what else is she going to do, right? She's got a friend now. 
because I, I don't know she seems to have she takes to the doll more than she takes to like literally anyone else breathing you, you know why right it was inspired by pixar because you got a friend in me you guys are walking into these i know we I are mean, i guess so but you're walking into this like a Costco food court. <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean. Anyway. So Let's I carry mean, on. In, in addition yeah. to finding that, there, um, the uh, doll eventually leads Coraline to the secret door. Ah, uh, yes. So Coraline eventually finds like a, a weird like thing in her wall that definitely looks like some kind of door. Um, only it to is a door. but only to uh-huh. discover when her mom tries to open the with a key which for some reason she specifically chooses the one that has like a weird button on it out of all the keys in the drawer i'm just saying uh to open this little door only to find it bricked off i think i feel that she went with that one because all of the other keys that were in the drawer they look like keys they look as very we think of mm. yes as we think of them and the yeah. only one that looked like it would work for the keyhole was the button. was the one that has mm-hmm. the button attached to it so yes um turns out door is bricked off so no door for Coraline. um inspiration from the winchester mansion yeah what the Winchester Mansion. Don't you know the tale of the Winchester oh, Mansion? What's, mansion? The, what's that? So, when what am the I, man... What am I getting myself into? <laughs> uh, when the man who created the Winchester lever-action rifle passed away, he had a mansion because of how how much his rifles were loved. Mm-hmm. So when he died, his wife was actually a big superstitious person, uh, had a psychic in, and the psychic told her that all of the firearms used, or everybody that was killed by the firearms that they made, the Winchester firearms, was going to come and haunt her unless she managed to build a mansion big enough to contain them all. Now, because she was like such a devoted occultist, I'm going to use the term, Mm -hmm. she ended up uh, doing this and getting people to come in and work on this mansion. And they started to make floor plans and she started to change things. And then uh, they'd have like staircases that would lead up to just the ceiling or you'd open up a window and you would look through it and it'd be into another room oh. and doors would open up and it would just be plastered off. And that was to confuse the ghosts and make sure that they uh, can't find her and keep them trapped. But let's carry on with Coraline here. And uh, this is part where Coraline goes to sleep and wakes up because there's a mouse at her door. Oh, yes. Um, so she follows the mouse uh, to the yes. door and opens it up. And this is where we got our first real good 3D experience of watching that tube, tube. open up and expand yeah. outwards. Uh-huh. Uh, so one of the things that we've kind of, well, I forgot to mention, I apologize, is that one of her eccentric neighbors is trying to run a mouse circus. Uh, yes, uh, you're talking about... Uh, Mr. Robinski? Yeah, Mr. Robinski, which... Uh, Fun fact from him. You know the medal he has on his chest? Uh, yes. You know what that's for? No, what is it? Is that actually like one of those hero of the Soviet unions or something? Yes, yeah. but it's a very specific one. I don't remember which For something that type. Cameron and I should definitely know about because it's involved with one of the games that we play a lot. Oh, God. 
Yes, that's oh, right. I'm talking it? about a Chernobyl yeah, cleanup. I was, like, I was like, oh no. <laughs> that would explain why yeah. his face is blue. That, yeah, well, that's why yeah, his whole body is yeah, blue. He yeah. was actually a liquidator of the supplies. Ooh. And he uh, helped get rid of it and collect it all. That explains wow. a lot. Wow. Yes. Wow. That ex- Wow. That explains why he's blue, like Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> so I don't think he was, Dang. I don't know if he was actually Russian or if he was uh, Ukrainian. Ukrainian. But uh, yeah, he's actually wearing one of the pins that was, or one of the ribbons that was given to those who helped with the Chernobyl cleanup. Right. See, and that is a, another fun fact back to you by Miles of the Day. Well, it's kind of interesting that as soon as you were like, just like, we should know about that. I'm sitting there going, so this is probably one of those heroes of the Soviet Union, but I don't remember which specific one it is. Oh, that makes sense. So, and the reason why you should know this is because it's a very similar badge to what the monolith use. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I only saw the movie one time, all right? <laughs> movie is game. No, no, I mean... Noticing oh, what, what, yes, yes, no, yes. what Mr. Babinski was, was wearing. wearing. That's what saying, I mean. Yes. Fair enough. <laughs> all right, but yeah, so uh, when Coraline goes through this door, all of a sudden she's in what looks like her house, but it's not. Um, it's another house. It's the other house. And this is where she gets to meet the other mother. Now, Who looks exactly like her own mother. But she smiles. And has buttons. And and has buttons uh, instead of eyes. Yes, and there's another detail that you guys may have missed. Uh, I don't know if you guys would really catch on to this. Coraline's mother's nose is actually crooked. The other mother's is straight. Actually, yeah, now that you mention it, I do do remember that. Yeah. I'm trying to think about if I noticed that. I think I may have just been too distracted by the fact that other mother smiles like all the time mm-hmm. and that in itself was very kind of creepy well if you're gonna get food i mean a guest you would be happy too i mean you say that but considering how her both her parents were <laughs> like i don't know yeah, they're there's there's Oh, I, don't, I mean, stressed. I mean, I'm not saying that other mother has got one of those uh, like black hole sun type of like really creepy, obviously fake smiles, but it was off putting, which is appropriate, I think. No, there wasn't pudding. It was dinner. Um. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yes, uh, Coraline meets the other mother who is just very cheerful and as. Uh, Cameron would say off-putting with how because she's always smiling, and everything just seems like super happy. And um, other mother is just like so happy to see her. And Coraline is, of course, very confused as to what exactly is happening here, as one would be when there's a person who looks like your mom with button eyes. Uh, yeah, not even getting into the who are you and what have you done with my mother in terms of personality. There's just like ah. What happened up here? See, I was going to go, no! What did you do with her, you damn dirty sewers? <laughs> My mother, what big buttons you have for eyes. What big button eyes you have. All the more to... Wait, wait. wait. I, I can't mean... actually see. Are you in front of me? I can't tell. I don't... Does this mean does this mean that the other mother was as cute as two buttons? Uh probably, yeah. I mean Okay. <laughs> okay. 
It is definitely <sighs> fair to go that direction, yes. It's very fair to go that direction. Uh, so, uh, yes. Uh, Other Mother is just very accommodating. Uh, she's like, oh, we're having this fantastic dinner. Go get your father. Uh, so she goes and finds the other father and he's just also super cheerful he's playing the piano and he's just like full of jokes and all things other things and just completely the opposite of her real dad uh the other thing to make uh very much note about this movie is that um everything in Coraline's home back in her actual home is very gray it's very gloomy it's just very dark in terms of like colors and things like that. But here, everything is just incredibly colorful, bright, um, and just fantastical. And there's just this fantastic feast. Anything that's a nice, warm feeling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. As compared to the cold, dark grays of home. It doesn't rain in the other world. Unless you want it to. Yeah. Because so, the mother is the one who rains. <laughs> no. You know, you're not wrong. I mean, right? <laughs> As we discover. Yeah. But basically, this whole world just seems to be completely curated to Coraline in every single way. So, of course... Right down to the garden. Exactly. <laughs> but so she's like super happy to be here and she goes to sleep in like her bed because she just absolutely loves it there. You forgot about the whole garden part. Where the father takes her to the garden, right? No, no that that's, is that's the next. That is night. the next oh, part yeah. because yeah. the first night is that they have the fantastical dinner. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and um, she's just so overwhelmed that she just goes to bed. Yeah, after like all the excitement, she goes to bed. Um, oh, the other thing I also forgot to mention because we were just kind of going through a summary. Um, <laughs> there is a part where Coraline decides to make a dousing rod near the start of the movie. Um, which is how she finds what appears to be a fairy ring. Uh, for those of you that don't know what a fairy ring is, it's usually when you have like a circle of mushrooms, uh, together, uh, they call it a fairy ring. Mm-hmm. Cause that's where fairies would come from is what they thought. It yeah. was considered a portal to another world. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as, uh, YB, um, told her is that you don't want to step on that because... It's basically a well that nobody knows how deep it is. Well, it's said to go down so deep that when you look up, you see stars, stars in daylight. Stars. Yeah. Because the light bounces and refracts, and it doesn't it allow you to see the It won't go down blue. far yeah. enough. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, so, again, anyway. So, it turns out that dousing rod was actually poison oak. And the other matter, just so she... Puts like this healing mud on her hand. Healing salve. Uh, healing yeah. salve on her hand. Sends her off to bed. Nice and cozy. And Coraline goes to sleep. But when she wakes up, she's back in her house. So of course, she's wondering, was this some kind of, you know, crazy dream? Uh, until she sees her hand and realizes, holy smokes. It worked. It, like, <laughs> it wasn't a dream. So, of course, she has to tell her parents, and her parents just don't believe her, because that's, again, that's super crazy. They're busy. They, they're busy. They're, they're busy, <laughs> yes. They are very busy people. Her, like, her dad has a business in the oven, and, and her mom's working at the, the adult factory. <laughs> business is being done. It is, it is on the go. 
but in reality, they're actually writers and they write about gardens and that, and they're trying to get all of their paperwork in order so that way they can get a paycheck. So, and what's even weirder is again the whole you don't garden. Um, like, so how the heck are you? You don't want to go out and get in the mud and actually fiddle around in a garden. So what the heck do you know about gardening? That was just a uh, female teenage sass. Well, I can, mean, can I you agree suppose. with that, Kimmy? Yeah, I don't think I was I was good compared to my sister, but no, my sister gave my parents a lot of sass. Well, Coraline's not a teenager; she's only like ten or eleven or something. Yeah, she's getting there. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, fine. my niece, my niece is like when my niece was like about the age, she gave, she started giving my my sister sass. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> but especially girls, girls like. Yeah, they mature faster than boys, so they tend to give more sass at younger ages. Yeah, girls give sass, boys get angst. We hate the world. <laughs> yeah. It's against us. We're going to fight it, and we're going to win every time. Fight the power. Fight the old people. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, so in addition to, I guess, bothering her parents, and instead they just go, okay, you need to go and get the heck out of here, go visit our neighbors. Because I think, is it this? No, this is the day that she goes and she visits the the, the two ladies, right? Nope. First of all, she goes and visits uh, Sergeant Alexander Bobinski. Oh, so she did go see Bobinski the first, okay. No, this is the, that was the second day. The third day she sees the... Well, I mean, like, we're the day after in terms of she went to the other world, right? Yeah. Mm. Now she goes and she visits the, the ladies, so right? after initial contact is what we yes. call it. The yeah. day after okay. initial contact, she sees the Sarge. And so, then she goes down to see the next characters. Ah, right? yes. yes. Um, so the next neighbors that, um, that Coraline has are these two, like, I guess they're older ladies. Um, that are very much into like the theater and things like that. Okay, you can mm. say old ladies. They yeah. are like oh yeah, yeah they oh yeah, are, they yes. are old ladies. Yeah, they they are, and pretty, they are just past, roommates. <laughs> they're past their prime. But, oh yeah, is like very I, much the implication. Yeah, um, but I think the most unsettling thing about them is that um, they uh, taxidermy every single one of their dogs. Every Yorkie they ever had. They, and that's just, I mean, that's another one of those things where it doesn't matter what medium it's in, that's messed up. I I understand why they do it, but I'm just saying that for me, I'm just like, that's, that, that's, that's creepy. It's think, not just your keys, it's their keys. <laughs> I think the other kind of unsettling thing, though, is that they dress them all in little angel costumes. Well, they well what do are you going to do, no, just no, no, no. leave them out? They only do that when it's getting close to their time. Yes. That's yeah. when they do it. They don't just always have them dressed up. <laughs> it's only when it's approaching their time that she, I guess it's like a ritual. Yeah. So these two are named April Spink and Miriam. Miriam? Uh, Miriam Forcible. And uh, they Forcible. do cryptically warn her about this infinite danger, which leads to a theory. That, uh... That they've actually already knew that this was going to happen. Oh, because they are kind of occultists. Well, that's true. Uh, the other thing is that uh, you actually get to see the tea leaves, and it, 
again, like it looks like uh, like this kind of like clawed mm. hand. No, it's a giraffe. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's clearly a giraffe. Or it's all handsome she, they man. They just want they just want her to join Imgur. Okay. Or, or you know, <laughs> so, it could also be a tall handsome man. That was also one of the possibilities. Yeah, so I'm going to say this right now because that's one of the few things that I do kind of... Rem- so, I mean, there are illustrations in the book. There's not a lot of them, though. Ah, They're very choice, though. Actually, that hand so, is in the book. Yeah, but when in but they but all they say because like the dialogue is directly lifted mm-hmm. oh i think it's just a giraffe mm-hmm. and that sort of thing but they don't show that in the illustrations that's just written so it's kind of like this offhand you know kind of bickering between mm-hmm. sort of thing but in the movie instead because it's visual you can just be like hey look at that i actually can yeah, kind of can see how it's it a giraffe over. they yeah. actually flip the image over so from it looks like a, a hand coming out of the ground mm-hmm. it's flipped over and then it looks and like the like, legs oh, of wow, a giraffe look at that. it is a giraffe yeah <laughs> which i i did very much like as well like, i don't necessarily know uh, again, I feel that that's perhaps one of those things where people say it's not as dark as the book is because they're very specific. Like Neil Ga- Gaiman was very specific about what illustrations were there. Mm. I mean, because it's his book. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas when you're doing something like this and it's like, well, if we're going to lift all this out of here, I mean, what the heck? Why not show how it actually looks like a giraffe? And nope. Now it's kind of funny. No, I... I, I can see what disarming, you're disarming. Disarming, I disarming, think is yeah. more accurate. Yeah, I can see. The, I can see what you're saying there, Cameron. But I don't think the book is as dark as the movie because the book is on white and the movie is actually fairly dark background. Uh, I just, I, I saw that coming. <laughs> this is gonna go great when we get to the end of the movie too. <laughs> so, despite those warnings, Coraline goes to visit the other world a couple more times. Well, uh, and not to, she, and don't forget that she keeps seeing the cat. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So she keeps running into the yeah. She keeps running into Malcolm. Malcolm, yes. She keeps running into Malcolm as well, um, which she's just, you know. Also, we have um, oh yes, we also have YB that is just like, hey, my grandma's really angry because she wants her doll. Like she found out about the doll and was wondering if I could have it back. And Coraline says straight up, no. She's just very rude to to YB, like she always is. And she just kind of angrily leaves because she absolutely hates it there as compared to the other world. Well, I don't think she has the doll with her at this moment. And so it's not that she wasn't going to hand it over. It's no, just she, just, she, she just didn't I, like... I don't yeah. have it, yeah. so I'll get yeah. it to you later. There, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. kind of just brushed off. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So yeah, so um, that night she goes again back to the other world. And of course, it's just as fantastical as it was before. There's this amazing garden outside for her that uh, just has all these amazing things. Um, Her other father is on like this praying mantis like lawnmower thing. Um and of it's course, cool. it was it, a really beautiful scene. Oh, absolutely. Especially in 3D, it was really nice mm-hmm. because you got to see all the flowers that are around, the, the dragon snaps that are like tickling mm-hmm. and kissing her. Mm-hmm. And then yep. uh, she kind of carries on and the tractor drags along and all the flowers behind it get planted. And then they somehow get 
brought up in a like hot air balloon or something and they're up high looking down at the garden and it's Coraline's face. What it is is the hump of the tractor oh, turns into yeah. a, a helicopter uh, yeah, propeller mm-hmm. That's and it then it yeah. goes up. Yeah. Again, this is one of the things where like you kind of lose that whole this is really creepy and this is unsettling because you look at something like this and you can't help but say that's really cool. Mm-hmm. I wish something like that would happen in real life. <laughs> so one thing that I will kind of say about this whole ideology that you are presenting mm-hmm. is I feel like this movie is actually portrayed more from the eyes of Coraline mm-hmm. than the book is written. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because the book, is the book written in third person or first person? Third uh, person. It's third person. There you go. Yeah. So. Of course, the all-knowing mighty author is going to point out how creepy everything looks. Yeah. But as a kid who comes from something that's so dull and drab, mm-hmm. anything is better than nothing. You're not mm-hmm. going to notice the over-smiling that the other mother does. Mm-hmm. Or the or, fact or that... You, you might at first, but then you get lulled into that false sense food. of security, right? The, the, the 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 milkshake dispenser, right? Yeah, like, yeah. It's, a, it's amazing. It's the fantastic. Freaking, the gravy uh, train. The, the gravy train. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, some of us has to marry to get that. She was just giving it. Or even the fact that when she's going to bed, all of her stuffed animals are talking. Her friends are talking to her. They're and like her the paper. Picture. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. And then the what the heck was it? The dragon. Right, the dragonflies that were like. What do you call that? Oh, the, that is like a, a chandelier, not a chandelier. No, but it, it's like a mobile, like mo- a mobile. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like you know, like those baby mobiles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. And and sometimes you would just like put that like around your bed or something mm-hmm. like that to kind of give you like a, a, a similar effect, right? Mm-hmm. But instead, now the dragonflies are real and mm-hmm. they're flying around and they talk. Right. Everything talks. <laughs> Everything talks. Everything talks. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, so. The other, like, after seeing the garden and how amazing it is, the other mother tells Coraline that, um... They say, look up, and then you see the little uh, blimp thing, right? Mm -hmm. I think so. Well, yeah, but this is where the other mother gives the ultimatum. No, no, no. No, 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 no. So what happens is, uh, other mother tells her, oh, well... Mr. Bobinski's mice want to put on a show for you. That's right. Uh, So... And she's like, oh, well, I have, like, your friend here so he can go with you. And she she brings YB, who, the well, the other YB, who has his mouth, like, sewn shut. Yeah, we don't see that. Because, oh, no. We just, like, he's like compl- we don't see that. He just Sorry. doesn't talk. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. talk. Like, he's completely quiet. And she's like, oh, well, I figured that you probably liked him better this way. And she mm-hmm. was like, oh, honestly, I do. Because, again, she was just kind of... She's super dismissive towards poor Wybie, unfortunately. Um, so they go to Mr. Bobinski's mouse show, and of course, it's absolutely fantastic. Like, there's cotton candy, like... Cotton candy cannons. Yeah. There's chickens that, like, lay popcorn. Yeah, they eat the kernels, they poop it out, yeah. and then it... Trades yeah. the popcorn, yeah. That was very clever. <laughs> I really liked that. But so it's just again this absolutely like fantastical show with all the mice and it's just incredible. Uh, so after that exciting show, um, the other mother tells her, "Oh, like um, 
your like the neighbors downstairs. Um, they have a performance as start, well. Yeah, they have a performance for you as well. So they go down there, and I think one of the first things that you notice is that everyone in the audience is a Yorkie, like hundreds upon hundreds of Yorkies. And well, the, the one that helps you to your yep, seat is yep. also a Yorkie with a yes. flashlight in it. Yes. Everything, every single Yorkie that they ever had is alive and is doing people things Which, but as dogs again it's it's still absolutely terrifying that there was like hundreds upon hundreds of yorkies in that um in that theater it probably right. smelled terrible probably did oh absolutely and uh i mean it, it almost feels like they're one of the reasons why puppy mills are like chugging along oh god <laughs> no animals were harmed in the making of this movie as far as i know and we do not endorse I mean, puppy mills no, we don't. <laughs> Puppy mills are bad. Uh, but, uh, oh my gosh, where was The uh, ladies, uh, uh, they so do their show. They do their show, and it's pretty crazy because they're like mostly naked with their old, like, wrinkly bodies. That's because they actually were burlesque performers. Uh, so, ah. that was a whole thing. Ah, interesting. That's, uh, I think that's actually even how they met. Hmm. Well, you learned something new today. Yeah, there's that, actually a whole thing in here too. I just gotta find out where I put it. That aspect, I feel, was probably something that was mentioned in the book. But at this point, I'm trying to remember a book that I read almost 20 years ago. I mean, I'm not saying I didn't like that book. Like it, I did, and it, it stuck was just with a long me. time ago. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, they actually are performing a piece, uh, and they recite a monologue from Hamlet. And, of course, this is kind of a hint towards the impending doom of it all. Mm-hmm. Ah, yes. Yeah. I mean, um, that's the one thing that I do at least remember with them is that they're very much the omens. Mm. Like, even in the book, like, she goes and she reads the tea leaves and things like that. And then the stuff that they do, because, uh, I mean, again, with the nature of the voicing in the book... Um, the scenes when it came to the to them was always like really eerie and very much was kind of not spooky, but just kind of ominous. Ominous. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. And like the way they conduct stuff is just like, well, that was uh, I think maybe I want to go somewhere that is a little bit more cheerful. So after she is finished with the ladies and then she goes back Home. to her uh, parents. Yes. Uh, uh, to, to her other parents. Ah, uh, yes, to, to her, her other, other parents. Yes, yes, to her other parents. Her mother is just kind of like, oh, how did you enjoy yourself? And Coraline was going on about, like, how amazing it was and how awesome it was. And she notices that there's, like, this box for her on the table. And her mom is tapping her fingernails, waiting mm-hmm. her for her to finish. Like, hurry up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So. And they focused on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Coraline opens the box to find buttons in it um and but not like buttons that you press on a computer sewing buttons mm-hmm. damn it miles with a needle and thread this is supposed to be serious it is i mean it is serious but yeah. uh, uh, but anyway so of course Coraline is quite confused uh, until the other mother explains that if she wants to stay there she's gonna have to sew the buttons onto her eyes now, they don't have to be black. They can be any color she wants. But 
she has to do it if she wants to stay there. So, of course, Coraline is just kind of incredibly, like, creeped out by this because she doesn't want to sew buttons to her eyes. Um, so she just kind of tells the other mother, I'll just kind of think on it. Um, I'm, like, really tired. Um, I'm just going to go get some rest. And she goes upstairs. Like, she basically quickly hurries to her room, gets into bed, hoping and, that yeah. she's going to wake up in her other house. Unfortunately, she doesn't. Nope, she, uh, she, she tries to sleep hard. And she thinks she's awake and she wakes up and every all the color, all of that warmth is gone. And everything is quiet and very, very ominous. And uh, she goes out to try to find out what's going on. And, and she sees that things are starting to kind of fall apart. Yes. So. Like bad clothing. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course the other father is trying to tell her, oh, we're not supposed to talk to you right now. And then he uh, gets shut up by the piano, I think it was. Right? Yes, yeah, the he, hands from the piano. Yeah, no, uh, come and, and shut him up. The hands play. The piano plays you here. Mm-hmm. You know what? They're not in Oregon. They're in They're Russia. In Soviet Russia. <laughs> Soviet, yeah. It's Soviet Russia. Piano plays you. Yep. Because <laughs> this is when the cat starts talking. Yep. The uh, cat tells yes. Coraline about everything, and but well, how... not about everything. Just kind of says, you know, you got to wake up and realize. This is not home. He does the Cheshire Cat thing. Yes. Which is like, gives you really, really cryptic advice. But doesn't tell you directly. Yep. Because he's a cat. I feel like it's a cat thing. Well, I'm pretty sure the reason why is because there's a theory that uh, the Bella, the cat was uh, actually a brother of one of the victims of the Belladon before. I won't go too far into this. Right, because that's and something else And this is his curse, into. is that he has been turned into a cat. Hmm. But we'll go into that later. Yes. Um, so, of course, as things start falling apart, um, I believe at this point, that's when uh, uh, Coraline makes a break for, uh, for the door. Yeah, she uh, she leaves yeah. through the door. She actually goes through the exit that she originally came in yes. from. So, so at this point, Coraline decides to go through like the exit to her actual home in the Pink Palace. Um, but and when she gets there, um, she's just like happy to be home. She's like, "Mom and Dad, I'm home." Um, and she can't find them. No, mm -hmm. like she goes to the kitchen and there's groceries, but it all the food is just completely rotting. Yeah, like, it's been left there for a long time. And mm -hmm. she just, she can't find her parents. And it's just very, dis, like, distressing. Like, it's very distressing because she has no idea where her parents are. And then she actually builds a couple of uh, almost mannequins out of uh, like cushions. Around. Yeah. The cushions of that to kind of recreate the family dynamic in the bed. And, she and then she sleeps in the bed, mm -hmm. too. That's correct. Okay. I'd like to point out um, an interesting thing about that that I, I realized and I kind of pointed out to Cameron is that in the book, she actually never at yeah. any point goes back mm -hmm. home. Um, she mostly stays in the other world when she does, um, like, when she does everything. Yeah, well, so, um, 
like she does go home and have that initial conversation and things like that and talks about her other mother and but it's very much just kind of a that's nice dear yeah. I'm, I'm loving that you are yeah. having fun you know You're taking so care creative. of your yeah, yeah so exactly, creative. exactly but like and after then she that, goes back and yeah. then she just stays yeah there. yeah this is poor Lay's mom all over again. God damn it. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, that is a very different thing than what we are talking about, and it's kind of hard to explain. Uh, Not but... at all. She's a bitch. Oh. <laughs> poor Lay's mom is a bitch. Oh. Hey, so... she was sad when Poorly died, okay? I don't believe that. <laughs> she was. Well, anyway, so I Carry mean, on. in the film, she goes back... Um, and I mean, this is also where things are interesting because the, the real... cat is able to talk in the real world too. So because of this, this actually opens up a whole theory where she never actually left the other world. Oh. This is all created yeah. and this is just the continuation of it. The other mother is using this to trick her. Right. Oh, I would actually believe that. Yes. Especially because later on, we'll get into it and I'll inform you. <laughs> all right so uh <laughs> she ends up going back to the other world she goes to sleep right um here. i want to pull this open uh, i'm trying to remember when she goes when does she go sees the old ladies again and they start cracking into taffy yeah yeah yes. she goes and sees them again and uh she's like you know i'm, I'm no, trying it, to look for something she's I'm just a little... trying to think is that before or after, no, it's, no it's, it, it would be about this time. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, because so. I was just trying to think when she does, she gets thrown into the mirror. And I was like, no, no, that this definitely happens before that. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, so she ends up going to see the um, the old ladies again. And she tells them that she can't find her parents. And so they're like, oh, well, we have something that's um pretty good for finding lost things. And they give her this kind of jade triangle with a circle in the middle. The interesting thing is that it almost reminds me of like a planchette because you know how like... That's what it is, a planchette. The planchette. That's exactly what it's called. Okay. Because that's what I was thinking of, the one yeah. that you use like on a Ouija board to like communicate with like the yeah. dead, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's it's a very important occult tool, uh, mm-hmm. not just for Ouija boards, but mm-hmm. for other things. Uh, the planchette is as used later on. You can look through it to find things you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a focuser, I guess you could say. It's like... Think of it like a peep sight on a uh, Lee Enfield rifle. Well, I mean, if you just say peep sight in general, like <laughs> you could put a peep sight on anything, and that's the well, point. It gives you a, it gives you a peek into <laughs> what you're looking for. It's. I want to put one of those on a blow dart. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can, but it's like <laughs> it's pointless. Um, you say that. You uh, say that, geez. Miles. So I mean. <laughs> You can't um, see it, but I'm just waving my arms ferociously at Miles. So right. how is it that she discovers where her parents are? Because it's also she comes where back. her parents. Uh, what also isn't there that makes her realize, oh, no. Ah. Uh, so she does go back to her house, and she can't find the doll, right? Well, there's and, that. Uh, yeah. but and there then was... she looks and she like knocks something over and uh, I believe her family it's... clicks snow globes. Yep. Oh, yeah. She knocks yep. over a snow one globe. One of the snow globes yeah. is gone. Or... And, oh, what happens is one of the snow globes gets knocked over and she realizes 
Um, she looks at it and then she looks up and she sees her parents are like trapped in the mirror. That's, that's what, it, yeah. Oh yeah, in the mirror that's right, not in the snow globe. I thought it was the snow globe. Well, they are in the thing. snow globe as in that's what, uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> yeah, like yeah. Her, the snow globe got knocked over because her parents were trying to let her know that they yeah. are there in mm-hmm. the mirror. Right? Yeah. But then she, and then she realizes that she has to, or, or is it, is it that she realizes, or was it someone else that tells her you need to go and get them? I think that was kind of ominously hinted at by the uh, by the cat. The cat. Well, the it's the, the cat, cat, the cat, and also the the, the ladies, the ladies, the ladies, ladies yeah, the burlesque women, yeah, the burlesque ladies. We'll just the call just them just roommates. <laughs> the just roommates burlesque women. <laughs> it was heavily hinted by, like it was kind of again like hinted by both of them yes so she goes back um equipped with, like the planchette and she confronts the other mother about this and is like where are my parents i want them back um and the other mother's like you're being naughty you're and, going on time out and throws her inside another mirror which there are three new characters brought into the story ah uh, yes enter players one two and three because Coraline would be four. Ah, uh, yes. So there well, are yeah. there are three children. Uh, spirits. There are three spirits in this mirror with her that turn out to actually be children that the Bellum attracted before her with the same, basically, the same promises like with the same gimmicks that they that she pulled on her. You know, candy or love. Um, attention attention and she always knew what these children wanted because she watched them through the doll but and but the interesting thing is that they all say that the reason why they're stuck there is because she took their eyes as in like they exchanged their eyes for the buttons which means that they gave her their souls to her Mm -hmm. which is why they can't leave Yes. Because, yeah, you know, the eyes are the windows to the soul, as they say. Wow. Um, I did not get that until you just said that. Hey! Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, it made sense, but now you say that, and I'm like, oh, okay. I don't know. You Boom. can insert something witty from me here if you'd like. This is too easy. <laughs> but, of course... Insert... insert witty miles remark right here but of course they tell her that she's not just going to give up anything yeah they don't necessarily say that she has actually i think they 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 caution her against fighting her no they tell her that she there is a way it's because she likes she likes she She likes games she likes games like she she likes doing like games bets things like that right Mm -hmm. so she Basically, so the children tell her that if she can convince the Bellum to let her try and find their their um, their eyes, or I guess basically their souls, um, you know, a wager. Like if she finds their souls, yep. she can to let her go, kind of dealio. Yep, and if let she me and my parents go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, well, she adds that in when she is well, yeah, but talking to the other mother. But they basically tell her just yep. like. There's our souls. If you can try to get them back, that would be great. So Coraline tells her, well, I want to play a game. And she tells her, um, I'm going to look for these other children's souls. And if I find them, 
you have to let me and my parents go. But then the other mother counters by saying, well, where are your parents? Like, Well, well, not yet. Not yet. We're not there yet. But the other mom says that if you don't find them within the, like, time frame, mm-hmm. then you have to sew the, like, you have to yeah. sew then. the buttons to your eyes. Mm-hmm. You so, have to replace your eyes with buttons. Yeah. yeah. You have to have button eyes. You got to push those buttons. <laughs> you get to work in a factory. Push them buttons. Push them you buttons. Get to, you get to join. You get to join the the, the menagerie in a way. Daily grind. Uh, but anyway, so Coraline sets off to find the other children's eyes, um, which the other mother tells her that they're hidden in each one of the little miracles that she did for her. Mm-hmm. Or, I guess, presents that she gave her. So she sets out to the garden to go look for the children's, like, one of the child's children's souls. And she finds it is, I guess, the lawnmower's lever. But when she goes to get the lawnmower, everything starts freaking out and attacking her. Because the other mother creates everything, so... (laughs) Pretty much. I've always felt like this is kind of a... uh introduction to puberty oh because boy. when uh, she goes to get to get it everything starts attacking her oh, and most people think oh, that's oh. basically when puberty starts to happen to somebody you always feel attacked it's your hormones going out of control i hmm. just you know what I, I that's how my body just feels all the time miles so it's not sh- even puberty it, it just makes sense <laughs> i'm not even going through puberty it's just so, that's how my body just feels all the time see i wasn't <laughs> sure if you were going to go about that a different way considering that she is a girl and so it's like, oh, well, that's kind of, you know, like unsettling to think about. I mean, because in a way you're not wrong. Like you think about animals like dogs and cats when they go into heat, right? And everything comes after them. Mm-hmm. There's this massive just like gang rush of like, <laughs> it's, it's this horrifying like, oh, God. There's all these things, like, chasing me now. I gotta go. Yeah, yeah. Time to beat feet. Which is what Coraline does to get away from the garden. Yeah. That is correct. And and as soon as she collects the soul, everything just, in, just falls dies. falls apart. Goes all gray, and it's just So the nothing. thing that I found very... The battery very... was removed. <laughs> so yeah. the part that I found very interesting about that is when things start losing color... Just the way that it looks makes me think of, um, are you familiar that like, you know, when people are making like the 3D models, how they're gray and there's like the little like setup thing before like they start adding like the textures and stuff like and It's just like these gray like models on like a computer screen. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. it felt like. It just felt like it was just like unrendering the textures from the model screen. Um, also, at this point, uh, Coraline is, um, she is followed, uh, she, oh, sorry, um, at this point, uh, Malcolm does stick with her. Like, he explains, like, while he's there, he explains to her how this world exactly works and that, um, the world is only as big as she wanted Coraline to see. Mm-hmm. Because there is a point where she tries to just walk like as far as she can and she just ends up back into a white void first and then she ends up back at the house because she only sees what the other mother wanted her to see 
and I mean, this is a this is a bigger clue in a way. Um, it kind of shows um, like the key to the other mother's downfall in a way because she doesn't create more of the world because she doesn't think she has to. No. Well, also, her technically, I guess you could say that her view of the world is very limited. That's mm-hmm. true. Before all of this happens, uh, when Coraline is actually going back to the other world, mm-hmm. and uh, she gets captured by the other mother and thrown in the mirror. Yeah. There's actually a small little tidbit here that really shows you that they are actually in uh, the other world. And that is, when she's portraying Coraline's mother, she doesn't have buttons over her eyes. Oh, that is right. She, yes. Oh, yeah. When she first goes in there, she she's uh, like, oh, she's like, how happy? And she's like, mom. And then all of a sudden, she's like, you're not my mother. So she never needed to have the buttons on the eyes. She chose to do that. Now, this is what another big hint of why when Coraline left this world and went back to the other world, she never actually did go back. Mm-hmm. She still was trapped in the other world. It was just extended and created that way by the Belladam mm-hmm. to show, hey, look, this is all here. To yeah. lull her into a false sense of security, mm-hmm. which also means she can look like other people, like... Mr. Robinsky. Miss Robinsky. The, the the ladies. These, yeah. The ladies, yep. The the roommates. And uh, <laughs> the she doesn't roommates. have to actually have the buttons on their eyes. No. Uh, that's but they part all, of the but theory. But they all do. I mean, they all no, do. No, no, they did. They absolutely did have the buttons on their eyes when she was showing them to yeah. Coraline in the other world. Yeah. And, yeah. And when she wanted to say, hey, look, you're in the other world. This is the fantastic world. But when she went back to the quote-unquote real world, mm-hmm. they didn't because the Belladon knew not to do that oh. to make her feel like oh. she's actually safe. Okay, I see. So the implication oh. is that she just never left. Yes. Right, 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 oh. right. You think she left, but she never actually left, ah. which means she was given all the tools to succeed because the, the ladies gave her the... Uh, planchette. The planchette. Yep. Which was the other mother. So basically, uh, the uh, way you could uh, think about it is that the second she opened up the door in the first place... She unleashed... She just basically <laughs> gave her, like, free reign of, like, the pink palace and stuff. I mean... No, no, no. It's the other way around. When Coraline went into the hole, oh, oh. she never left the other world. Mm, she yeah. may have went to sleep and woke up and everything was different. So oh. when she went and got her gloves and her new outfits from her mom... That was the Belladon trying to push her away from her, her real mother. mother. Oh, oh! I mean, this is this is like good horror, right? Yes, this, yeah. this is this is the classic. So, you know, by all means, you guys can turn around and say, "Oh, the book is terrifying." This show is terrifying. When you actually look at it, when you actually look at it that way, then yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, no, so, absolutely. So I let, mean, let's carry on then. Ah, yes. So, so again, I mean, this too is one of the reasons why I will say that this is like a very good adaptation. Mm-hmm. Like going from the written the novel and putting it onto screen like this, I think everything that they did does invoke the same like feeling of creepiness and that horror that the book did mm-hmm. uh, in, its, in its own way. Right. Mm-hmm. Especially mm-hmm. if you like consider what miles was talking about as like her never leaving mm-hmm. is definitely like 
okay, that actually adds like a significant amount of creepiness to this, to that realization. Because and then you realize that just like in the book, she just never left mm-hmm, after yeah. that first yeah. time. Yeah. And um, well, I, I mean, getting back into, so, I mean, she, she goes through all the steps that she has to, to get the souls. I mean, I'm going to try to expedite this because we're taking a while to we're summarize this movie. taking a long time, movie. yeah. yeah. <laughs> we've, I think we've actually ran fast or more than the movie by now, but yeah. not, damn quite, close. not quite, not quite. We have a lot of discussion. But we still got a lot of other things to talk about on top of it, so oh we got to push forward. All right, so after Coraline finds all of, you know, the children's souls, uh, we finally come to the final confrontation with, uh, with the Bellum, where the Bellum asks Coraline... Where are her parents? So, of course, the cat tells her, you got to be careful with how you deal with her because she can be really tricky. She can be a sore loser. Yeah, she can be a very sore loser. (laughs) Uh, So Coraline tells her, oh, well, they're they're behind the door. And, of course, the Bellum, you know, goes to check, you know, just to show her, like, oh, they're obviously not there. Um, And opens up the door with the key that she swallowed before and then Coraline does the one thing I've always wanted to do in a D&D game. She grabs the cat and throws it at her. <laughs> Greatest distraction ever. A live animal being thrown at you. And of course, uh, the cat like freaks out because he wasn't prepared for this no. and claws off her button eyes. Yeah. So now she can't see. And she uh, turns the whole place into a nice, lovely spider web. To try to trap Coraline and find out where she where she is by uh, the vibrations. By using the vibrations, which I thought was really cool because they're not traditional spider webs; they're actually made out of metal. Uh, the flooring, actually, yeah. the flooring. Ah, yes, they're made out of the flooring. But yeah, she tries to find her through vibrations, which is actually how spiders mm-hmm. find their prey. And I love the fact that this looked really good in three D as well. Mm. <laughs> um. Uh, this is the one thing that I remember. So I hadn't seen the movie, but I, I remember people talking about it back in the day. And I remember some people talking about this part because people were saying this wasn't in the book as in this whole spider web stuff. That's not how she gets out in the book, but they had to do it for the movie. And I sit there and I go, yeah. So in the book, she still does like the whole throw the cat thing, but she tricks her into... Like, she tricks her and, like, you know, plays on her sense of pride and arrogance and things like that and is able to twist her just enough that she thinks she's going to win. So she opens the door, throws the cat at her, books it out, slams, and still does, like, the whole hand thingy. But none of the spiderweb stuff happens. So that was all built for, I guess, more tension and a, a, like a, a more action in the film. Like, it doesn't take anything away as far mm-hmm. as I'm concerned. Like, I love the fact that you're using tension with the spider web. <laughs> what? Everything what? is just bread and gravy for him at this point. Like, bread and butter for him at this point. Well, I mean, oh, it's all icing sugar. I mean, but I, I still, I, I mean, again, this is like one of those things where like people talk about you know oh i preferred this one or i preferred you know that because it does this and it does that and and again it's like one of those you have to do different things for for different mediums like describing something like this in a in a book i mean i you can do that but 
it's not always required, I would mm-hmm. feel. No. And in some ways, brevity is the soul of wit. So just showing and like writing down and demonstrating that Coraline was able to outsmart her and that's how she was able to escape. And, you know, we don't have to do any more than that. That's fine. Like we're still accomplishing the same thing. Mm -hmm. And then in the movie, we're going to ratchet up the tension a little bit more because we want you, the audience to just be like, Oh goodness, is she still going to win? Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, going back to that point is that yes, she manages to get through the door close it off with just cutting off the bellum's hand and she thinks it's all over until the hand basically lurches to life and uh she actually grabs the doll and she wants to get rid of it ah uh, yes yeah, so, so she goes yep. to throw it down the, the well ah uh, yes yeah, so she Coraline goes to the well to throw the you know the fairy ring that's actually a well to throw the doll down there not realizing that the bellum's hand was following her and trying to stop her but thankfully, Wybie shows up and they manage to get the hand down the well and just close it off. And they also threw the doll down there too, I think. Yes, yeah, it. yeah, so that was how they were able to get the hand. Ah, uh, yes, because they there. threw yes. the doll into the it. well and mm-hmm. she went after it. Yeah, and then they closed it up and uh, everybody was happy go lucky. And then the next day they had, they had a beautiful garden party and everyone is happy. Everyone's yes. saying her name correctly. Which right. is part of the problem. You see, Coraline never actually escaped the other place. They all started to call her by her right name. And one thing that you learn about the Belladonna's uh, lore is they actually survive You're off of the... You're talking about the Beldum. The Beldum, sorry. Yeah. The Beldum's lore. The Belladonna is a different yeah. thing, Miles. The Beldum's a... lore. The thing of the flower? Well, yes. I mean, there are a lot. There yeah. are lots of things that are called belladonnas, but not oh, yeah. this. So yeah. the uh, so the beldum uh, lore is that they would uh, trap children and mm-hmm. live off of their love for them. What? Here's another thing: is that when the camera is pulling out, the garden looks like her face. Still, yes. Mm. So uh, the belladonna lives off of the love of the children. Yeah, that's how it feeds. It needs that love. So, of course, Coraline is happy that she's back and loving everybody, uh, which everybody is, the Belladonna. So the Belladonna actually wins. You're just going to keep saying that. Bel- it's Beldum. Beldum, blah. <laughs> the Beldum. I feel like at this point we should just call her Spider-Mom because Miles just kind of can't get... Get this name I can't right. Get this name right. Well, it's, I mean, it was it's, introduced it's, to me as this, as the Belladonna, and it's uh, it's wrong. It's know. absolutely wrong. I don't know who did that to you, but it, you know, you know, whatever. It, whatever it was actually whatever. how I read it. So, oh, uh, see, that is, yeah, that so, mm-hmm. I totally believe that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this that's uh that's the two different endings that you can interpret from Coraline. Is she managed to escape the Belladonna? Yeah, okay, or she uh, Belladon, or no, you know what Belladon works. The Belladon, yeah. Belladon, yes. <laughs> All right. uh, yeah. So, at the end of the day, did she get out? Did she not? I think all that's important is she's happy. Well, again, that's another great horror ending too. Mm-hmm. Like who, you know, what actually happened? We don't know, and that's the fun. Right? That's like an inception. You don't really know if he, like, 
got out or if he just was in there the whole time. Well, right. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. I, I just mean, I mean, what I always think of <laughs> actually was the first time I saw. Oh, no. I guess it was the second Hitchcock movie I saw. First one I saw was uh, um, Psycho. And the second one I saw was The Birds. Um, so when The Birds ends, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen The Birds, they escape the city as in they drive out and they are able to not have the birds attack them and things like that. They don't do anything to agitate them. And literally, they get in the car, they turn the key, and they start driving away, and then it's a wipe to the end. And I remember going, what? We don't know if they actually got out. What do you mean that's the end? That's not over. And my mom said, that's the point. It's a horror movie. You don't You're know. not supposed to know. And, that's and I'm usually like, the same. Ah, I hate that. And just kind of like now thinking on that and just like all the things that like Miles, you know, like all the things that Miles pointed out. I think mm-hmm. that actually makes Coraline an even better movie when you actually think about all those things. Because the fact that it makes you think about those things is just one of the, again, it's just, it makes it a significant. It's very, it's very ambiguous. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that is still straight from what Neil Gaiman wrote. So, I mean, it's not really any different. Mm -hmm. It's just, again, it being turned into a different medium and there are certain things that, you know, get done a different way. Because they translate differently. Yeah, sure. It's still the same fundamental story. Mm -hmm. You just have to try to communicate it in a more applicable way that's really Mm. all it is absolutely and i think in terms of like film adaptations of a book Coraline is fantastic they tried to stay true to like neil gaiman's like book and i thought that was absolutely incredible like even down to like character designs and Mm -hmm. things like that Mm -hmm. and i think that's something that should be really appreciated because sometimes we don't always get that like people will sometimes just like pick and choose what they want in the book to make the movie. Or as someone pointed out to me, uh, in the case of the Hunger Games, they basically just like ripped out that entire book and just made some kind of like weird love story that like shouldn't have really been there. I don't know because I never read those books. Oh, I haven't either. But (laughs) like talking to someone that has read the books, it's just like they they do not like the wait, Hunger Games movies. Wait, are you wait are you saying that the whole uh, oh shoot what Katniss right that's her name right? Mm. Are you Katniss saying, Evergreenies. Uh, <laughs> Evergreenies. So are you saying the, the like the Katniss and the Peta thing just like never happened, or that they like spin it out even more in the movies? Yes, Cameron. Everybody knows Peta hates animals. <laughs> I mean. Um, I don't. I remember when I found out that, like, yeah, his name's not Peter; it's like Peta, and I'm like, what? <laughs> that is just Boston. Mm. Even more reason why I dislike this accent. <sighs> Any, anyways. Um, well, okay. I. So let's. Now that the story's what, all over. There was. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I feel that there oh, was ahead. something else that I wanted to say and said that has to do with. Coraline, but I couldn't remember how the heck to, where we left off. <laughs> I will say that I think it does follow the song in saying that Sweet Caroline 
Good times, good times never, never felt seen. so good. Yeah. Never oh seemed so good. dear. Yeah. You I know feel was... like that's how that movie should have ended, which is like sweet Caroline. Basically did. So, <laughs> so I feel like we should uh, quickly glance over the uh, normal topics that we do. As in like who was voicing these characters and things like that? Yes. <laughs> Incidentally, uh, Dakota Fanning. Ah, I yes. did not realize that that was Dakota Fanning. It was, yeah. Um, I mean, well, so well, it was more thing. Dakota speaking. So I knew that it was Dakota Fanning because that was like a big deal that everybody was talking about. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, Dakota Fanning's going to, you know, not just be a kid, you know, acting like a, a, a precocious child or something. Um, and so watching this now, I sit there and I was thinking to myself, uh, if I didn't know Dakota Fanning was in this, I would have had no idea who was voicing Coraline. Really? Because it didn't sound like Dakota Fanning to me. Yeah, she did a really good job of it. Like, that, like when I think about all the movies that she had been doing at the time and mm. leading up to that, mm. that's, that's not the voice that I remember and that I think about when I think of Dakota Fanning of that era. Mm-hmm. So that was a big surprise to me. Um... Was it Terry Hatcher? I think is, yep, she's uh, the, is mother. the mother. <laughs> that awesome was one. Of, that was one of the voices that just like popped out to me. I'm like, whoa! I know her from watching Desperate Housewives and Lois and Clark. <laughs> I have to say though, they got for the other mother. They've got Terry Hatcher's smile in there perfectly. I know. That's I know. Just... Like it's, I know. It's oh, so uncanny oh valley. It's God, perfect. that is crazy. Wow. So that was one of the interesting things that I found. So like regular mother with her just being all dour and just kind of depressed or well, not depressed, but just like not happy, we'll say. Or maybe it was that Neil, Neil Gaiman uh, managed to capture her smile but then, so well. But yeah, but then, but yeah, but then when they go and we see the other mother and all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, like all of a sudden... The voice and what I'm seeing here is not too far off from the actual likeness of the person that is voicing mm-hmm. this character. Because I'm just like, That's I've, I've watched Terry Hatcher enough on TV that I know what she looks like. And it's like, wow, she like, actually kind of does look like her. That's kind of weird. That's creepy. So I have to ask you, Cameron, <laughs> did you realize who voiced the cat? It's Keith David. Yes. Yeah. Our and good he... old friend, one of the Titans. Well, or as you like to say, Morgan Freeman at home. Yes. <laughs> which I'm which I'm just kinda I remember when you first said that, I'm like, what? What? How what? can you say that, Miles? Keith he David sounds, is in a league of his own. He sounds a lot like him in documentaries and that to me. Well, okay, sure. <laughs> but I mean Keith David is Keith David. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Keith David is awesome. <laughs> like I'm not saying that he's piggybacking off of Morgan Freeman. He's not. It's just that they kind of sound similar. Anyway, but, uh... so yeah, I when I saw his name pop up in the, in in the titles at the beginning, and I'm like Keith David, who's he going to be voicing? And then the cat shows up, and I'm like, Keith David's totally voicing the cat. It's funny. Yeah, like that's totally a role he was born to do. So uh, now that we kind of talked about the characters and that, uh, the, the main people who are in the movie, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about the. Um... Let's talk about the theme and tone. What do you guys think about the theme and tone of this movie? 
Was it well done? Was it overdone? Did it push too hard? Did it push too light? Again, like with all the things that we've talked about, I think that the, I think Coraline did an absolute fantastic job. Um, and that in terms of, you know, setting up the tones of dreariness and hmm. the, you know, the gray colors and all the dull colors of the pink palace in her world as a contrast to, you know, the other mother's, you know, trap, which was colorful and vibrant and full of life. And mm-hmm. I think the movie did a fantastic job of ca- of capturing that, even like in terms of music and sound. Like when you're in the real world, it's very like it's very like a you know you have that song that's kind of playing that is just kind of like you know it, it shows you that things it's kind of dreary there as compared to it's fantastic is mm. the term you're looking for. Um, <laughs> It's not fantasy. It's not reality. It's not science fiction. It's mm-hmm. its own genre. Mm-hmm. It's mystical. It's intriguing. It's mm-hmm. a little frightening, but it's a little bit of everything. Yeah. That's what happens when you get all five colors in your magic card deck. Huh. That's how I feel whenever I play a five color magic <laughs> deck. <laughs> you play changelings and it's hilarious. Trust me. You get a little piece of everything. But you got to swap out sometime. <laughs> oh, boy. So let's talk about the um, the score here. What do you guys think about the music? Mm. Um, Especially mm. Cameron, because you're the music man. Mm-hmm. Well, the music in this one... I'm trying to think. Um, I I don't necessarily remember the score jumping out to me too much this time. So, like, it definitely... Um, like, it worked. Um, and in some ways, I almost, like, sit there and it's like, I, I feel that that's, that's, that's enough. That, that's, all, that's all it needed. It, it works. Um, Fair enough. Yeah, I, I feel like that there perhaps is more that I should be saying, but at the same time, I'm also just kind of like, I'm, I don't know. Like, uh, I the think... music didn't jump out, so it wasn't anything exemplary, but it didn't take anything away either. So um, it just worked nice in conjunction. I'll say that. Okay. Fair enough. I mean, as far as, uh, again, one of the interesting things, because uh, we were, like, when we, when we were talking about characters, I'm kind of a little surprised that we didn't touch on this. So, Wyburn, YB, is new for the movie. He did not exist in the book. And, again, going back to what I was saying about certain things that they had to change to kind of keep tone and things like that the same... I feel that they did that so that they could try to keep some of that consistent stuff. So when so she doesn't really get along too well with him when she's meeting him in the real world. But then when she goes to the other world and the first time she sees him, 
He's got a smile on his face, but he can't talk, so he can't open his mouth, so he can't say something that will upset her or anything like that. And that, to me, when I was watching the movie, kind of made me clue in and go, so this is it. This is how you know that this is kind of a, an effed up place to be. Yeah. Because she said, I thought you'd like that, and she basically sewed a child's mouth shut. Mm. That's messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did talk a lot. Oh, okay, also, sure, but there's also and he the didn't bit. Listen. No, there's also the whole. I forgot the whole thing about you find out that his mouth is so shut is that she actually like forces it into a smile, mm. like um, mm-hmm. near the end. Yeah, yeah, and um, well, and I mean, uh, Coraline also opens his mouth too when they're in mm. the process of trying to escape and everything mm-hmm. and he's able to talk well now. he doesn't say anything but well he, yeah but he can if he wants to mm-hmm. so should we carry on to the cinematography <laughs> yes the animation mm-hmm. <laughs> so for me um Stop motion is quite possibly one of my favorite forms of media. Mainly because what goes into it is absolutely absurd. Like the amount of time of having to shoot frame by frame of each one of those fantastical scenes is amazing and absurd at the exact same time. And like... It's a lot of work and dedication for an entire team to do that. Especially mm-hmm. because, like, um, for every single, like, clay model, you need to make a separate head for every mouth movement. Right. Every, like, reaction. And it's... And personally, it's a thing that I admire greatly uh, that people are able to do it. And personally, because whenever stop motion comes up i need to talk about ray harryhausen because how do you not talk about ray harry uh, ray harryhausen when you talk about stop motion mm-hmm. and for those of you who don't know who that is shame on you go watch jason and the argonauts you will not regret it <laughs> but so what what he's most famous for in terms of again Jason and the Argonauts is the skeleton fight in that movie. Uh, now for those of you who aren't aware of what that is, it's a scene where um, Jason and his Argonauts end up fighting this these skeletons that uh, the one of the vil- like one of the villains raises up from the dead. Now the thing about these skeletons are that they are that they are clay models. Now, in order to do this fight scene, the actors had to choreograph the fight without fighting anything. So the whole fight scene is choreographed with the actors. And then Ray had to watch and see how they moved and position the skeletons accordingly in a separate room in order to match up with the actors before they put them in the scene with them. And if that's not dedication to work, I don't know what is, in all honesty. 
because I don't think we will ever get like, I know it sounds weird, but I feel like that is probably a perfect see like of movie, like cinematography. The fact that we have that, we have that scene. I'm surprised you're not also talking about Beetlejuice. Ah, yes, Beetlejuice. Because Beetlejuice uses a lot of stop motion. Oh, absolutely. And it does a great job of that oh, as well. Oh, absolutely as well. With all of the, um, especially like the end scene in the house when he starts like possessing everything and the, yep. the snakes and stuff like that. Yeah, the snakes from Jupiter or whatever. Yeah. Or Venus. It was Venus. Yeah, it's the sand snakes of Venus. Uh, but yeah, like um, in terms of like I... I don't know. I feel like I feel like Ray might be the the father of stop motion with that because he did a lot of monster stuff too for like oh, yeah. all those yeah. old like um like glad like all those like Roman like old Roman movies that they had. Um, so uh, again, it's just an amazing thing for people to do, and then when it actually goes off nicely, it's amazing. It's a lot of work. But it's amazing. Yeah. Yep. So uh, let's move on to the special effects because I would mm-hmm. like to talk about That's the 3D. Uh. The fact that it was all you done here. The fact <laughs> that y- you want to continue talking about the 3D. Yes. The thing that <laughs> so you talked really about great. the whole time. It was really great how they managed to introduce this, carry it through, and still have a part of the whole story. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I was really impressed with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did use some... Uh, Excuse me. They did use some special effects every now and then. Mm-hmm. Or uh, computer effects, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And uh, it actually blended very well. Mm-hmm. Like, you barely can even tell that they've done it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was impressed with that. Anything to add on that, Cameron? Well, I can't comment too much on the 3D aspect of it because I wasn't able to... Uh, appreciate that since I wasn't watching I wasn't watching it in a 3D setting shame well you know now that I know uh, I feel that that's something that I can try to do the next time I watch this movie because I don't see any reason why I won't watch this movie again it was a very good movie mm-hmm. well knowing is half the battle and the other half is extreme violence go Joe <laughs> <laughs> So, how what do you guys feel about the uh, pacing of this? Um, because this movie was also tied in with another one that I know we're going to do eventually, mm-hmm. uh, called Nine. And, oh, uh, and yes. the pacing of this was excellent. Yes. Uh, in my opinion, mm-hmm. I loved it. It didn't feel like things were dragging on. No. It kind of continued and flowed into itself very mm-hmm. nicely. Yeah, uh, even down to the sleep uh, scenes where Coraline goes to sleep. Yeah. Uh, anybody want to add anything to that? Um, I actually agree with that because, like, in terms of introducing, like, her neighbors and things like that, there's a decent pacing to it. Like, you get an idea of who these people are. It's not overextended. You just, again, because through their actions and things like that, you see how eccentric these people are. Again, like, also then with the small little details and, like, uh, things like that. But they don't overextend their welcome. They give you a brief idea of who these characters are through, like, their dialogue, what they do. What they have around them. What they have around them. clothing. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they move on to, like, something else to continue the pacing. Or when they introduce the next character, they do the exact same thing. 
Um, so they do keep the movie rolling. Like there, there's no drag in this movie, and I think I appreciate that about it. Yes, you gotta let the good times roll. <laughs> now uh, the last thing is dialogue. Um, personally, believe it or not, I think the dialogue could have been better. Uh, it does have a lot of good dialogue, but there are points that kind of stop and kind of almost pulled me out of it. Do you um, remember which time specifically? Which points those were? <laughs> uh, part of it is uh, Bob Bobzinski's accent. Uh-huh. Mm. Uh, I don't think it was... It was good, but it, it felt like... Uh, it felt like a lot of his rambling was just to show off his accent. Mm. Ah, and I right. felt that was kind of uh I don't know. I don't I don't felt I feel like that to me it just wasn't necessary to me. Um there there are a couple of other things like um I believe uh the way that the people sound with uh the other parents the other mm -hmm. parents, especially the other father, his over-the-top goofiness sort of voice. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. It. Uh, I think they pushed it too hard. Okay, I can actually see that. Like it. It kind of. It, it just stung me the wrong way. I guess you could say. Unless well, that was the point of it, but. But <laughs> no, no, like I wanted to be creeped out by it, but it was just kind of. But it like, was just, it just like wasn't working. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just like it was odd, and I didn't really like that. Mm -hmm. So, I and Wyborn, I don't know. Wyborn was a character. <laughs> he yeah. was there. He, he was there. Right. Yeah. That's what he definitely felt like. Was that he was just he was there. He was there to move plot along, and that was basically his purpose. No. Unfortunately, that's what he felt like. He's working in the plot fields. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just plotting away. That's plotting why his name is Wyborn. Why were you bored? To move the plot along. That is why he was bored. So I guess what we can say after all this is uh, we all liked the movie. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We would all watch it again. Oh, yeah. Great. We're going to review Absolutely. it next year. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, we'll, we'll review the second one. The second one? What are you talking about? I'm joking. No, there there isn't a second one. Everybody wishes there would be a second one, but uh, they're not coming out with that. No, it's I feel sad. like it would. I feel like it would kind of wreck it personally because, again, with now that we have this open endness of did she actually like escape? Did exactly. she like? And I feel like that would rob from it if there was a sequel. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's one of those things where it's like you don't touch it. You don't touch it anymore. You leave it as it is. Like a pure Star Wars fan. Okay, oh, well, I think that's the end of this. We've been on this for quite a while, and we got to get all going. But, uh, <laughs> thanks for stopping by and listening to us. Uh, I'm Miles. I'm Cam. I'm special guest star host Kimmy. And we'll catch you next time. See ya.